How is everyone doing? Um, I'm Michael Eisner, and this is your Natural Health Podcast, or AS, Natural Health Podcast. Um, so today is our first, or my first in-person interview. It's kind of exciting. It's very different. Um, we have Mason Walton here. He's a fellow Torontonian. It's great to have you here, brother. Thanks, man. Um, Mason is 30 years old. He was born and raised in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. He attended the Mount Royal College in Calgary. Uh, he grew up racing motocross, which is yeah. incredible. I would love to do. So- I would have loved to have done something like that. It's a lot of fun. I bet. Yeah. I bet it's incredible. Um, he's involved with the Hundred Smiles Project Volunteer Program, which I'd love to hear more about later on, if, if you could. For sure. Um, he is currently working in a family real estate business, and he's in school to become a certified functional medicine health coach. Thanks a lot for coming hey. and meeting me here. No problem, man. Really Thanks for having me. It's a real yeah. pleasure. Um, so, uh, I guess let's just dive right into the yep. meat of the conversation, see where it takes us. Um, before your symptoms began, mm-hmm. Can you describe the kind of person you were? Uh, yeah, I was a completely different person than I am now. Um, I was about 22 or 23 years old. I was very dark, negative, pessimistic. Um, well, I wasn't like a bad guy, but I was clearly struggling with myself. Um, very on edge, kind of just waiting for some shit to go down at all times. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome, man. It kind of sounds a bit like me yeah. before. Before as well. Um, okay, and how old were you when those symptoms began, and what were your symptoms? I was about uh, 22 or 23. Um, it wasn't really like... A it was almost like all of a sudden my world had changed. I woke up one morning and there was this crazy knot in my stomach and I thought I, I thought I was gonna, like, there's some serious problems. I went to the doctor and the doctor said, there's nothing wrong with you. And slowly just kind of morphed into this, this awful pain through about six months. I actually went home because I was so scared because I was so sick. Where were you were at college in Calgary? Yeah, I was in I was in Calgary. Okay, so what kind yeah. of pain was it in your stomach or in your yeah, muscles? It was like I don't really know. At the time, I thought it was my stomach, but looking back, I think it was more my muscles. In your abdomen. In my abdomen. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and that lasted six months. Well, it was like uh, this shocking pain I woke up to, and I didn't know what it was, and it got worse, and then it kind of went into my hips and my low back. Mm. Very quickly after that. The oh. stomach pain kind of went away, and then it was like, oh, what's going on in my back, in my hips? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then, so, how long did it take before you got diagnosed, and how old were you when you got diagnosed? I was probably 24 when I got diagnosed. So, a year after your symptoms began? Yeah, it took a while. Um, I actually know a guy. I came back to Toronto. I continued to work construction, a job I did not like at all. Okay. It was hard on the body. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're digging ditches all day long. It's not that exciting. Digging ditches for someone else, too. Um, So I was kind of fighting it at work and, you know, everywhere in my life. Uh, It took about a year. A guy I worked with, I was telling him how I felt, and he was like, man, are you sure you don't have this thing called AS? And I'm like, what do you mean? 
He goes, that's what I got. And I'm like, oh, really? Some guy you were working with? Yeah, another oh, guy, wow. construction okay. guy, has it. Wow. Um, he takes biologics and painkillers, and he's, you know, he's telling me what he does to manage and all that stuff. Hmm. And um, he moves around a lot. He's a carpenter. So he does actually, in his own way, manage it okay. But that's what put the seed in my head. I'm like, maybe I have this AS thing. So I went to the doctor. I did some research. I'm like, oh, this is exactly... Mm. That's exactly where I hurt, you know? It like, makes total sense. I go to my family doctor. This is maybe a year, eight months, a year after the pain started. I said, test me for the HLA B27 gene. I, this is for sure what I got. And he started laughing at me like, I've, yeah, like you figured this out on your own, right? Oh, right. Okay. Huh. He does a test. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough, it comes back positive. Oh, wow. And I was almost like, I was almost excited. I was like, yes. Like I have... You know, I, right. have, I have a disease, like, oh, you know, okay. like, what are we going to do, you know? So, uh, now it's off to see a rheumatologist, right? So I was kind of motivated. I was like, okay, we're going to figure this out. And then you go, you talk to the rheumatologist and it's like, you know, for me, it was very disheartening. You know, I had about 15 minutes, 15 or 20 minutes with this gentleman. He basically said I was going to be on NSAIDs for the rest of my life. And really tempted me with uh, the biologic stuff. Already he was tempting you with that. Oh, yeah. Wow, okay. And the whole thing was weird. Like, it was very awkward. You know, he had a Celebrex tape measure, a Celebrex pen. Oh. That's the NSAID company. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, it was like the NASCAR branding all around his office. Really? Wow. So it was just like, in, get your drugs. And he was fairly certain he could help me with the biologics. Yep. But, uh... I'm a rather a paranoid individual into conspiracy theory. Okay. I wasn't excited about taking some strange substance in yeah. my body. Absolutely. I can identify with that. So um, at that point, did you accept any NSAIDs, any, any kind of NSAIDs, and did you play around with that? Yeah. I was taking Celebrex for a bit, but then I got uh, into prescription drugs um, because they were always floating around the construction site. Prescription? Yeah, so like opiates, Percocets. Oh, okay. So I struggled with drugs for quite some time. Is that when you got into drugs? Uh, not, but yes, but no. Okay. Like I had always like kind of like done drugs here and there. Right. But now this was like a serious thing. Like I felt I needed this medication. Oh, okay. To get through. And why didn't you go to your doctor and ask for those? Uh, I tried. He gave me some Tylenol 3s and okay. then he said it's not the best option. I was young and I felt I had to go to work and you know, in, in that moment I needed my pills to get through the day. Yeah. So that's kind of... Yeah, that's kind of what started to lead me down a, a little bit of a... a yeah, darker, darker path. sort of path. So yeah. um, you were taking NSAIDs and these um, uh, opiates that you were getting from the guys at work? Yeah. Both of them together? Yeah. Which opiates were you taking? Um, I was taking Percocet and Oxycontin. And how often were you taking it? Quite often. Like, uh, probably like 8 or 10, 12 perks a day. Uh, less Oxycontin if I was doing that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And how long did you do that for? Probably about three, two or three years. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. Wow. My, my, bro my brother was taking them too and I actually stopped because I was so concerned. Like I saw what was happening to him. Wow. And I was like, oh shit. I gotta... That's what woke you up to it? Yeah. I still had some other struggles with other drugs after that, but that's what got me off... Uh, 
doing right. the opiates. Okay, so your struggle with drugs and your struggle with AS sort of went alongside each other, am I right? Yeah, so if, if I'm going to be really honest with myself about the whole thing, the struggle with drugs started to happen before I woke up with that pain inside my stomach in Calgary. Okay. There was already some excessive partying going on. Okay, all right. I understand. Um, which perhaps we'll get into later on. Yeah. For now, let's stick with the AS thing. How bad did your symptoms with AS get? Uh, pretty bad, man. I was like, uh, it was a t about two years after the diagnosis. 26. I was like curled up in a ball almost like on a couch all the time. Didn't go out. Didn't want to walk. I was scared to get in cars because bumps in the cars. Like, wow. there's all this fear going on about people, you know, you bump into somebody on the sidewalk or you stub your toe, like I had like all these fears of, you know, what was going to happen to me. So I spent a lot of time on the couch, very unhappy, uh, very immobile. So you'd stopped working mm. or doing construction? I stopped doing construction and that's when I started working for my, uh, my, my father. And okay. it was almost, he gave me a, a position out of sympathy at all the right. time more than anything. Okay. So that was very far from fulfilling, right? Okay. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And were you still taking the opiates and the incense? Uh, when I started working for him? And yeah, like when you were in this state of, uh, when the symptoms were really bad for you. Uh, n no, I had stopped. It was on and off, to be honest, it's a very much a blur. I hear you, yeah, on yeah. and off, yeah, I did the same thing. It was sometimes I was taking a lot, sometimes less. Yeah. Um, so, what were the symptoms and how bad were they? Like, like was it in your Is spine? Hip your pain, hip, hip, uh, hip, low back, and the top of my spine. Shoulder sometimes, but mostly uh, it was just like a steel rod in my back. Right. And you lose all balance and stability. Like, mm. I was scared if somebody did that to me, I'd be like, you know. You lose your balance. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Because yeah. it's like your center of gravity is now higher because you're tense up here. Oh, You're like walking around in like this fear thing. Right. Yeah. See, that experience is totally different <laughs> than, than what I've heard of in, in mine. So that's totally new. Mm -hmm. I know it manifests in different ways. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and was it painful? Uh, yeah, it was very D -U -H. painful. Yeah. 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 Like I couldn't get a massage. I couldn't enjoy myself, you know, like riding dirt bikes, riding mountain bikes, going for a run, like anything. Nothing you know, physical. No, just like moving around very slow. Right. Feeling very sorry for myself too. Okay. That was kind of the mentality. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so did you play around with diet at all? I did. I did. When I got serious about getting healthier. Okay. What made you got more serious about getting healthier? Okay. So in 2015, uh, my brother suggested that I go to a rehab center. Uh, for to, the drugs. For the drugs and partying. Um, okay. I had become quite a wild man. So he was like, dude, like you're really screwing up and uh, you need to do this. And I was like, shit, like they're on to me. I got to go in. So I wasn't excited about it. But I walked into this uh, treatment center and I got sober. So you were willing to go? I was willing to. I knew he was right. And my brother was always way more uh, of a troublemaker. He was an addict himself. So when, you know, the craziest guy in your life is telling you, you need to get it together, wow. it carries some weight, right? Okay. So I went in and then I came out and I was sober. I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? How long were you in? 
30 days. 30 days. 30 days. They cleaned you up. Yeah. And what were you on when you went in? Uh, I was, well, I was sober when I went in, but I kept going out and drinking, doing coke. Cocaine. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So you sober. So it was up. like I was in this cycle, right? Yeah. I was caught up in it. So I came out, I was sober. I had been in the gym for about a year trying to exercise, exercise it out. After the rehab? Before. Before. before the, yeah. Okay, before you were playing around with exercise. Exercise, yeah. Trying to control your symptoms with exercise. Yeah, well, I thought there was like one stretch that if I learned the one stretch, it right. would all go away. Of you course. Know what I mean? Absolutely. I think as everybody does, it's like, what's the one little thing? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the thing is, it's not there, the one magic trick, right? Right. It's the, it's the whole package and mentality you bring to it. So I walked out of the treatment center and I was like, I got to get better. Like I got to get healthy. So I started watching a lot of YouTube videos because I knew deep down inside I couldn't tackle the AS thing unless I tackled the addiction thing. I knew that somehow they were related, you know, like I knew I couldn't, I just knew I had to get sober to tackle AS stuff. It was the weirdest thing, but I did it. And then I spent a lot of time online uh, listening to like Elliot Hulse videos. He's mm-hmm. a, a strength coach, yeah. but he's really into psychology and how the body works and a lot of his videos get pretty deep. Um, so I was on to him and then I came across uh, Ralph and he had all these videos of like him doing all these stretches. Okay. I'm like, oh, this is my guy. He's gonna, I'm gonna do these stretches and I'm gonna be good. Right. So I started watching the videos and like, you know, like kind of like half-assed doing the stretches. I wasn't really invested at that time. Uh, and the exercises, I never really committed to any, you know, any of the exercises. But I knew he knew what was going on. Ralph Ruiz. Ralph Ruiz, yeah. So then I reached out. I was like, one day I was like, okay, it's time to actually do something about this instead of just watching videos on the internet. Okay. Like, let's reach out and talk to Ralph. Okay. So I did that. So you emailed him? I emailed him. He got back to me like the next day. Yeah. And you guys Skyped? And we Skyped, yeah. And how did you know that... How did you know that he was the guy for you? Uh, I don't know. I think the, uh, the age, similar in age, experience... Um, I could just tell. Like, you could tell like he's very passionate about what he was doing. Okay. Because I'm very uh, like paranoid. I'm always thinking some, you know, someone's out to get me. So I just knew when I saw him. I'm like, okay, this is the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Totally. Um, what, were the, what were the big lessons that you learned from Ralph and... What, yeah, what were the lessons that you learned from him that you needed to learn in order to heal? Uh, there's, uh, there's quite a bit of stuff. It wasn't uh, one thing in particular, but uh, he taught me a lot about how my mind works. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing was kind of accepting myself exactly as I was, mm-hmm. which was very hard to do because I was on this crazy trip of self-improvement trying to become something and I didn't know what it was I hadn't visualized who this person I was trying to be was and I was mm. fighting everything you know 
fighting the exercises, um, you know, fighting relationships, like just mentally, not, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is kind of vague, but... No, 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 no. I think you're... Um, so what... Like, but what was... For you, what were the things you feel that you had to learn mm-hmm. in order to heal? Uh... I had to learn how to like feel emotions again. I'd gone through a lot of stuff leading up to uh, my bout in rehab before I met Ralph. My father passed away. My brother was in lots of legal trouble. I was kind of uh, the rock in the family all of a sudden, and, mm. but my life was falling apart. So it was like very stressful. Um, so I had basically learned to not feel all this painful shit. I had all these problems with my brother. My dad just passed away. We're trying to hang on to the company. Um, you know, there's some lawsuits happening. Like all this crazy stuff for a 28-year-old kid. Yeah. Trying not to lose his mind. So for me, it was like uh, like a learning to recognize uh, my feelings and emotions was a huge thing to do with it. Hmm. You know? And be okay with feeling uh, emotions, good and bad. Because I was walking around in this very, like, dull, plain state. You know? Okay. Yeah. And like, I know exactly what you mean by, for me, what it is to feel, to begin to feel emotion and be okay with it. Um, but how would you describe that to someone who doesn't know how that would make you feel better? Like how that would reduce pain in your body? I think that we hold on to like a lot of tension if you have AS or not. Like if you're not acknowledging what's going on in your life around you and how you feel, like our bodies cling on to stuff and hold on to a lot of tension, right? So I think by like, you know, uh, by, you know, acknowledging what you're feeling and just sit there, sit with the feeling, even if it's shit, the more you try to fight anything, the worse it fights you back, you know? Mm-hmm. So you got to give it a chance to flow through you. You know, but like, you know, it's scary. It's scary at first. Yeah. You know, because you're safe when you don't feel, you feel safe anyways. Right. Absolutely. Um, why do you think AS came to you? Ooh, that's a good one. I think, I think it's an interesting question when you ask everybody that who's been through it because everyone says something different. It's cool though. I think it came to me because uh, if I didn't get AS, I wouldn't have had something to like knock me into getting serious about my life um, and my health. Like I was very unhealthy, um, you know, party animal, drugs. I was overweight. Like I had all this stuff, and I had to kind of and. I had to kind of get a hand, my hand uh, on everything. Right. Right? Yeah. I had to work on my entire life as a whole to bring me to a better place physically. Great. Great answer. Um, for anyone that hasn't, I looked at some pictures of you on Facebook and the difference between how you look is <laughs> drastic. And some of the pictures, I didn't know what to expect when you were coming over, like what kind of a guy you would be. Like, yeah. you never know. And like, it's, you just seem so much different from, I guess, how those pictures portrayed you. I'm glad you leave them, you left them up on Facebook. So, yeah. you know, hey. part of your life, right? Exactly. 
the term psychosomatic illness can have um, co- common um, misconceptions to it. What does it mean to you? I used to get, like, when people would say that, I'd get, like... Psychosomatic. Yeah, I'd be like, they'd say that to me, and it was because of my interpretation of it was, like, incorrect. Like, it's in your head. Yeah, you think, like, yeah, dude, just, like, it's in your head. And when you say it's in your head, there's nothing more <laughs> irritating to somebody who's got pain, right? Right. And it's in your head. It's like, yeah, it's... <laughs> psychosomatic means mind-body. Soma is body. Psycho is mind. Mind-body. Okay. So the actual term is mind-body. If mm. you... If you just want to like, uh, if you want to dumb it down, you can say, yeah, it's all in your head, but it's very offensive to somebody who's struggling with something. Absolutely. So I think that's an important thing for people to, to wrap their head around. Be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cause we, it's a, we discount it. Oh, that's psychosomatic. Oh, that person's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not true though. Right. So what, how does the awareness of it being psychosomatic mind body, mm-hmm. how does that, or how did that awareness or that knowledge mm-hmm. help you to heal? Uh, well, it's like you, first of all, you have to believe that that's the case. You can't really have a lot of doubt, hmm. you know? I think I've, you find a lot of people who uh, come down this path have tried like a lot of things um, before. Uh, I just think it's hard to deny when you're really honest with yourself that it is a mind-body thing. You know, you can, like, you know, how, what am I thinking? How am I feeling? You know, if you're, you're very aware of what you're thinking and how you're feeling and your patterns are, like, all of a sudden it kind of, like, starts to make more sense. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we already talked about this a bit, but I'm curious to hear more about the role of addiction and pain and how they play into hiding our emotions. Yeah, I think uh, I think they kind of do the same thing. It's like uh, you're uncomfortable with feelings, so you escape with drugs all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So you get uh, you get to get outside of yourself with that. Now you take away the drugs and you have pain. It kind of does the same thing, where you don't have to focus on your emotions and what's going on. It's like you know, part of your body will just light up, and then you're focused on. Oh man, like uh, you know what I'm saying? Like that feels good, or it's like unconsciously, it's it's protecting you from having to deal with stuff that's actually going on inside your head. Absolutely, yeah. And that could apply to any addiction, not just drugs. Could be um, some people have other addictions. Oh right? man, yeah. smoking, cheeseburgers, weed, <laughs> like everything. I've had it all, and it all does the same thing. Helps, <laughs> yeah. Right. If you're trying to deny, uh, you know, what's going on inside. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so they kind of feed into one another. Mm-hmm. Right. Like for me, like I had said in Calgary, I think I was denying my emotions and how I was feeling before I got AS and I was doing that with drugs. Right. And then I think, you know, perhaps that's what led me to my diagnosis. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's a good segue to, um, early childhood trauma. Yeah. And then hitting uh coming into that fight or flight cycle yeah um how do you think they play into each other and do you believe that you experienced an early child or a childhood trauma uh yeah that's an interesting question because when you think about uh trauma too it's very common uh in the chronic pain community but it's also very common in just life like 
you know, if you talk to people, like everyone's sick or not sick, like a lot of people have had traumatic experiences. Yeah. Uh, I've had some, you know, like I lost a best friend of mine when I was, uh, when I was 18. That was the reason I left to Calgary and I never dealt with that at the time. Um, and, uh, there was some issues of me and my brother fighting, like some serious stuff. Um, but I was older. I was like 16, 18 when me and him were fighting. But uh, like some few, a few really messed up things had happened to me. My brother kept getting in trouble with the law. My dad was sick. My brother was getting hurt and injured. Like there was like all this stuff going on. Yeah. Like, very, from 25 to like 28 was like really crazy in mm-hmm. my life. Yeah. Yeah. And so how, how does that, how does your past and the understanding of, of childhood trauma um, play into fight or flight and how does it affect um, perhaps AS or other autoimmune diseases? Uh, for me, I had to recognize that like I'm safe now. You know, for the first time in my life, I, I have come to a spot where I'm safe, nothing's gonna happen, my phone's not gonna ring, my brother's not gonna be in jail, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's okay, I'm okay. Uh, it's kind of just to recognize to recognize that, that I'm safe, I'm here, like what's gonna happen? You know, but you need to be, if you need to become aware of it to kind of, to deal with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I also, I also worked with a therapist for a couple of years uh, before I had started talking to Ralph. Before, okay. Yeah, so maybe about a year before and then a year after, okay. I worked with a therapist for addiction and stuff like that. And was that a, did they help to identify any, any trauma or anything like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And it was, they really helped me work through it. Um, so I had both ends. I had some therapy going on and I had some, a coach with, uh, Ralph. With Ralph. With the great, uh, similar experience. So they both kind of played off each other. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. For the good. For the better, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about our current medical system. Yeah. Um, I, I just have to say that I respect our medical system. I'm grateful for it, like me personally. So I don't want to come across like, you know, I'm bashing at all on the medical system. I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Me, Michael Eisner. Um, <laughs> um, you know, at the same time, yeah. I have some, I believe where I could see some improvements. Yeah. I'm curious where you see they could improve. And... Um, and, and how does that affect, um, and how could those improvements affect uh, chronic disease? I think, uh, I, yeah, I don't want to bash mainstream medical either too hard. I think they do some stuff really good. Uh, any acute injuries, traumas, you know, you can be taken care of and like, you know, it's a, they do work miracles. It's amazing some of the stuff they do. But all of the... Um, I think the system's very broken in terms of, uh, in terms of like chronic disease. Like there's like, you know, it's, I, I do have a little bit of a conspiracy background in me, but as I got older, I got away from conspiracy theories and I just learned that some things are true. Like there is no money in a, in a cure and you know, you only get 10, the kind of stuff that we talk about that's healing. You don't get that with your doctor. You get 15 minutes and you get a, you get a drug and you're going to be on the drug for your rest of your, for the rest of your life. And the side effects of the drug are terrible for a lot of people. 
And sometimes, you know, it's great. If you don't want to go in on yourself and do the deep work or whatever, and you find um, a drug intervention that is helpful, that's fantastic, right? But some people, it's not, it's not that simple, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, I think, where I think it's interesting where the functional medicine new paradigm of uh, how we look at people and patients is going to be very interesting in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, tell me about that. Like, you're, you're taking a course in functional medicine. Um, uh, tell me about that and tell me about what it means to take responsibility for your own health. Well, you have to, well, taking responsibility for your own health is, uh, you've got to get away from the old model of showing up to the doctor, expecting a script and everything to take care of itself. If there's something going wrong with your body, I think it's important to look at, um, you know, your relationships, um, your physical activity, your stress levels, uh, spirituality, uh, how you communicate with people. There's all these components to health that are outside of what we normally think of health, which is diet and, diet and exercise. Everyone thinks, oh, if I eat well and I exercise, I'm gonna be totally healthy. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily true. Like, what if you don't have any good loving relationships in your life? Um, you know, you're, chronic, you're chronically stressed out about things. Like, there's all these other components that weigh in on health. And that's what functional medicine looks at. They look at you as a whole. They don't look at your disease. They don't look at you like, oh, Michael has AS, so what are we gonna do for AS, Michael, they look at you as Michael. Okay, so what's going on with Michael? What's his life like? What does he do? Does he love his job? Does he have good loving relationships? Does he have any hobbies he enjoys? That's actually what they look at. Mm. And that's a doctor. And a doctor uses a health coach to help the client or the patient change behaviors. Oh, so an MD Mm -hmm. would hire, would work alongside someone, uh, a functional medicine health coach? Yeah, well, it would be a functional medicine practitioner. Practitioner, okay. So they are usually like uh, doctors who themselves have had health issues and have seen how the mainstream system doesn't, doesn't work. Okay. So then they've gone down their own healing and health journeys and then figured it out, figured out that it's, oh, it's all these things. Right, it's the whole picture. Yeah, so it's a new wave of medicine coming out. Do they have much. to be MDs? Uh, yes. So are you studying to be an MD? No, I'm just going to be a health coach. Health coach. Yeah. So how does that work? So I'm, I got confused. How does that work? How are they different? Okay. So if, uh, let's say you go see a functional medicine doctor and they ask you a bazillion questions about your life, your lifestyle. And, uh, you know, like if you, let's say you're overweight or you have diabetes or whatever, they'll come up with a prescription uh, for you. And you know, your normal doctor wouldn't do this, but it's exercise two or three times a week you know, go on this diet, um, get more sleep, like whatever they put on the prescription, but all that stuff, when you get it as the patient, like behavior change is so hard. (laughs) So when you go somewhere and you're sick and you have to change like 15 things, right. You know, it's helpful to have somebody kind of there as an ally to help you change those things. All right. And it ties into my experience with AS having to overcome something, all the other parts. Right. Involved. So you could work with other people, helping other yeah. people, uh, as well as perhaps AES. Yeah, I'd like to work with the chronic pain community, but yeah, um, I think it's uh, I think all of this stuff is very similar across the board. Do you think it would help people out with addictions? Seeing uh, a functional health coach. 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, I think as uh, with addiction, it's uh, you know you need to have some allies. You need to that are deeper. You know, it'd be helpful if uh, your your coach had experience with addiction. Okay. But uh, I think it's very important to uh, you know some people aren't into it, but you know AA or social groups or you know anything different like soccer thing. team like you need to get involved plugged in and uh start a new life right okay but it could be helpful when you're already making behavior change okay all right yeah cool um to shift gears a little bit yeah the book um the four agreements by don miguel ruiz yeah um i read that book it's one of my favorites what is the one what is one big lesson from that book um, that really rung true for you. It was a long time ago I read that book, but I'll, I can tell you a funny story. When I went to that treatment center, they give you the big book of AA, oh, right? right? Yeah. Alcoholics Anonymous, and then they give you uh, Don Miguel Ruiz's, Ruiz. Oh, do they? Board agreements. Oh. And the big book's like that thick. Yeah. Don Miguel's book is about, you know, uh, yeah. half inch, and they say, look, we know you're probably not going to read the big book when you're here. Read this little book. It's very helpful. <laughs> okay. So everybody in the house reads that book and is like, oh my God, it's so true. Like, anyways, um, I think for me it was uh, to be impeccable with your word. Okay. Do what you, do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. You know? Um, mm-hmm. But there was lots. It was, oh, I got to read that one again. That's um, great. Great The black magic too. The black magic with how you use your words. Oh, yeah. And people use their words. Like that is very powerful. Mm-hmm. You know? Like you can, you know, you can, you can accidentally, uh, you know, I, I, you just got to be careful how you use your words. Your Absolutely. Language. Yeah. 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 Words are far more powerful than... I realized before reading that, and it made so much sense. It made it so clear yeah. about how powerful the words that we choose can be influential to other people. Yeah. And that's a big impact on, on the world we create. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I thought that was really interesting. What's your biggest takeaway from, I haven't read Letting Go by uh, uh, David Hawkins. What for you? Oh, Letting Go. Because a lot of people talk about how great this book is. I just, for you? he writes like so amazing. It's just like, he's like a cool dude writing this book. He's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to get into, uh, the, the title's like, the title's like, oh, like you gotta read the book. It's so good. And his YouTube videos, he's got these videos of him doing lectures are incredible. Like he's, inc- right. he's incredibly funny, dude. Awesome. But, uh, just to really acknowledge what it is, your feeling, don't fight it. Just sit there with it. Let it pass through you. That's kind of the, the, the gist of what he's saying. Mm-hmm. But he's, 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 he writes really well. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, and what about Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth? What did you take away from that book? Oh, I was like a different person for like three months after reading that book. I was yeah. like, you know, it's like I was like walking on this cloud and like, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, life kind of kind of creeps back in a bit and stuff mm. gets real. So... I think it's a great book. I think a lot of this stuff that uh, he talks about is very helpful, but it's not, uh, you know, we can't all be like the perfect uh, monk and, you know, that's where letting go kind of comes in where it's okay to feel, you know, how you feel. Mm. Uh, Just make sure you feel it. Wow. That's great. I have to read that book. It's good. You'll like it. Um, 
Okay, going back into, uh, I really, I'm curious to hear more about your addiction. Yeah. So, uh, if you're okay with that. Yeah. Your lowest low, you tell me about it and what you learned from it. Man, it was, uh, it was crazy because I never thought I would be as crazy as my older brother in that moment when he was like, dude, like, what are you doing? You got to go in. It was like a rude awakening because never in my life. I couldn't imagine being worse than him. He was like really terrible, like in terms of uh, getting into trouble, hospital visits, all that stuff. Okay. Um, and I slept through Mother's Day. Mm. And that was like, that was really bad. Mm-hmm. That was not uh, easy for me to take. Yeah. Because then I was like, okay, I am now, I am the guy I despise the most. Mm. So I basically became the person that drove me the most crazy. Right. So that was kind of like my bottom. That's when I went in to the center. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what drugs were you struggling with? Like everything. Okay. Yeah. It's like, well, like anything. Anything. Cocaine, alcohol, pills here and there. Was there any particular drug that got underneath your skin more than another? Uh, I would say probably cocaine. Okay. Yeah. Why do you think it was cocaine? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, yeah. It's addictive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really addictive. Okay. I hear you, man. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, changing gears again. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about the 100 Smiles Project. Oh, okay. What is it? And how did you hear about it? Everything. Uh, well, it's my girlfriend's uh, non-profit. She started about four or five years ago. We've been dating for about a year now, just over a year. Um, so what her trip was, she went to El Salvador. She went there, she went surfing. She visited this orphanage there and fell in love with the kids. Mm. So the next year she went back and she um, she set up a volunteer trip. So she's been doing volunteer trips now for about uh, four or five years. And she raises money in Toronto. It's 100% to the cost, no administration, nothing gets paid for for the volunteers and then we bring the money she brings the money to El Salvador and uh, she runs programs at the orphanage so uh, the last time I went last year we did a surf camp for the kids and then we did some teaching them some English Hmm. and hanging out and it's like really it's a lot of fun and she gets volunteers by it's a it's a surf town in El Salvador El Salvador called El Tunco so you go, you surf, you hang out all day, you spend a few hours with the kids at night time, and it just means the world to them. Wow. Yeah. And do the volunteers have a place to sleep? Uh, yes. This is a hotel. Um, we rented this house for our, our upcoming trip, which is the November 18th to 26th, if anyone's interested. Michael, come yes, along. Yes, <laughs> I'm interested. I'm... Uh, we, uh, yeah, so there's a house with a pool. It's a nice spot, and... Um, Airport the, pickups. The volunteers like, stay at the house for free. Uh, no, you have to pay for accommodation. Okay. But it's like I think the accommodation's like three fifty, flights like six fifty, and then it's like food money. So you're not really spending that. It's much not a money. huge cost. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, what is the okay? Uh, what's the greatest difference? We already kind of talked about this, but let's pin it down. What's mm. the greatest difference between who you were before? The symptoms began. Yeah. You had AS, you learned some, some stuff. Yeah. And the guy you are now. I'm just at ease, like way more at ease with like everything. 
like, like I don't get caught up in uh, conversations in my head, you know, with other people. I don't, I don't think too much about the past. I don't obsess about the future. I kind of just set a little, a little goal and take my little steps towards the goal, and I just don't take anything too serious. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I haven't asked this one before, so you're the first one. All right. <laughs> um, Mahatma Gandhi, his quote, you must be the change you want to see in the world. So what are you being? Oh, that's it. And that's exactly, well, this was actually very difficult for me because I said after working with Ralph, I was like, I want to coach people. I want to like be, I want to help people out. And I walked around for about a year telling people like, yeah, I'm going to become a health coach and all this <laughs> stuff. And then a year went by, I was like, I'm not really doing anything. Like, you know, it's time to, time to, uh, to get to work. So, um, that's where I signed up for the functional medicine health coach, uh, program. And I'm just trying to visualize myself as somebody who can help other people. Beautiful. Who's healthy. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add that we didn't cover? Anything you want to say to anyone that might be listening? Um, yeah, I think if you're, if you're curious about this stuff and you're online, there's a, like, it's very binary. There's like a, you can go one way or you can go the other way. So if you find people like uh, Michael or myself, they're showing you a way that works, but there's a whole bunch of negative people on the internet who don't believe in this kind of stuff. Don't believe they want the quick answer. And it's very kind of black or white, you know, for, cause there's a lot of people on the fence that you have to fully step into, um, being responsible and looking mm. after, you know, your mind and body as one. Beautiful. Thanks, man. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I second that, yes. And there becomes a point, too, where you realize, you're like, oh, I have a chance. I can just leave this all behind me right now. Hmm. It's like, you know. Yeah. I had that moment where I was like, oh, I could just, I keep, I just got to move my, the focus of my mind. What was that moment? Can you tell me about that? I was walking back from the gym and I had this pain in my hip. And I just started like laughing because it's like, you know, why am I, I'm so obsessed with this tiny little, it's like nothing, just this mm. little, you know, tagging. Right. And I'm making such a big deal out of, out of it that nothing else matters. And I just started laughing. And I was like, and I just started laughing. I'm like, this is so silly. Like my obsession, right? Okay. Um, and that was kind of it. And then it took some time after that to fully leave it behind, but it was just a aha moment I had. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I have to ask Nora, um, I'm curious, like, let's go back a little bit. I was just going to end this, but, yeah. um, from when you were feeling pain and you were covering with Ralph and, um, do you remember ever being in quite a bit of pain and, and how that <laughs> dissipated how you got over that pain naturally? Uh, it's, man, it's a hard question to ask. I know. Because it's know. all these things, right? Yeah. I think for me, it was, for me, it was to just build a normal life. And as I built a normal life, I was able to kind of get out of my head enough mm -hmm. to leave it behind. So I don't, I had a lot of stuff to work on and I'm still working on. It wasn't quite. It was just not one thing. Yeah, I'm yeah. not one of the miracle people that were like, oh, you're all good. I'm done. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, even now, I'm like, I'm so jealous. I know. <laughs> Who are these people? I got to find one and interview one of those people. 
I know. It didn't work for me like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. It's totally fine. And we need uh-huh. to realize that's like, okay. I, str- I struggled with that for a while. Yeah. I'm getting super jealous that somebody just reads one paragraph of something. They're like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Clicks. Um, okay. One, one last question. If you could uh, go back in time and tell your di- recently diagnosed self any little bit of advice, if you would, yeah. what would it be? Oh, that's a tough one too. Uh, like just get to, get doing something, get mm. doing something like, you know, I was stuck. It's a feeling of being stuck. And the more I started doing, the more I started communicating with people and broke out of my shell, so to speak, the better I got. So it was just to get doing something, anything, um, uh, just trying new things, try lots of new things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it, man. That was huge for me. Getting moving, taking action. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that's what it is. You're stuck, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I felt stuck for years. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, thanks so much, Mason. Hey, no problem, dude. Really, this Pleasure. is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Really awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Thanks very much. Thanks, everybody listening. Uh, there's lots more episodes coming up. Um, and hopefully some more, perhaps, in person like this. <laughs> Um, All right, guys. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening. Please feel free to subscribe to the show or if you'd like, write a review. Let me know what you think. And uh, if there's any topics that you'd like covered, please let me know. Favorite episodes. All right. Bye-bye. The text and audio files contained in this program are for information use only. It is not meant to treat, cure, diagnose any medical health condition you may or may not have. For medical advice and treatment, please speak to a medical health professional.